Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. John chapter 15 is where we're going to be. We're hopping up into, in John 15, into the middle of a long conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples the night before he is betrayed and arrested and the next day he will be crucified on the cross. And so this is kind of his final conversation that he's having with his 12 disciples. And in the middle of it, uh, we get this passage here in John 15, starting in verse 12. My command is this. Another translation says, a new commandment I give to you. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for the sake of one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Let's pray, and we're going to talk about friendships tonight. Lord God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you that um, you are with us, that you delight in the presence with your people. And so, Jesus, we just want to turn our attention onto you. Lord, help us to set aside distractions so that you get the the focus that you deserve. Speak to us. Lord, I I pray that that you're you're glorified even in our own individual hearts as as we make room for you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friendships are kind of an interesting thing. I'm going to be completely honest. I feel like I'm no good at them. So... That's, I'm prefacing that, and then now I'm going to talk about 25 minutes, 30 minutes on how, how to operate within a friendship, so pray for me. Um, friends, are, friends are hard to make, friends are hard to keep, friends are hard to, to be with sometimes, and they're really hard to not be with, and friendships just overall are strange and interesting and wonderful. And uh, the scriptures actually talk quite a bit about friendships. And the, the picture that the scriptures paint of friendship is of the highest value. Uh, in the pages of scripture, the, what the scriptures talk about friendships, it's almost as they give it the most formative of all other relationships. There's a tremendous value that the scriptures place upon friendships. To illustrate this, looking at the scriptures, uh, Proverbs 27 and 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. There's this imagery of iron forming another piece of metal, that it is formative. It, It turns us into something else or forms us into who we're gonna be. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 15 and 33, the Apostle Paul, he is quoting an ancient Greek proverb, but he says, Don't, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. In Proverbs uh, 12 and 26, it says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the, wicked, the way of the wicked leads them astray. 
Proverbs 13 and 20, it says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. They put tremendous value on friendships. If there's, a, there's a famous phrase that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That friends are influential. Friends are formative. Who we live with will shape who we will be. And the scriptures make that very clear. They're very influential and very formative. My message title tonight is Friends Are Formative. Now, friends are incredibly formative, but uh, friendship is not necessarily necessary. Let me illustrate it this way. In the Greek language, there are four words that in English are translated the word love. Uh, we have one word for love. We love sushi, and we love, uh, you know, the chiefs, uh, you know, the past two years, everybody's like, I love Kansas. I've got an uncle in Kansas City. Um, we love the chiefs. I love my wife. I love my son. I love the Dodgers. I love you guys. I love my water bottle. I, I genuinely, I love this table. I think it's a great, it's like we have one word. The, the Greek language has four words that kind of carry four different ideas. Uh, and the, the four words in, in Greek that are translated all to love uh, one is the word sterge, uh, which speaks of familial love or the love that is within a family. And then there is eros love, which is romantic love. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Um, then there is agape love, which is the word love that is used in John chapter 15 that we read that Jesus defines as a giving um, of oneself for the sake of someone else. And the agape love is the love that Jesus, God, displayed for us and the love that God has for his people. And then lastly, there is the phileo love, which is brotherly love, Philadelphia, city of brother, brotherly love, of brotherly, lo brotherly love, um, phileo, which is, it's friendship love. The Greek word for friend is an adaptation of this word phileo. Now, if we look at these these loves, and uh, that's a full-on misspell on my part on uh, Sergi. It's supposed to be S-T-O-R-G-E, I think. That's my bad. Then uh, if we look at these, and it's like we need family love. Because without your family, you won't survive. I hate to bring this up, but you ever seen you know, the videos of the sea turtles trying to make it to the ocean? Without family love, you just don't survive. Without Eros, you can talk to your parents about this later, uh, humanity ends, okay? Then there's agape, which is a self-giving love. That's the love of God that he bestows upon humanity. It's the love that God has for people that caused him to create people in the first place. And then there's phileo. It's like your body. It's your friend. It's not as necessary. The world can operate without it. And because we might think that it's, it's not necessary, we think that it might not be important. And we've seen in recent years that, that friendship has taken the backseat, real friendship, because we've exchanged friendship for simply familiarity. And we've exchanged community, or living together, for connection. 
There was a study that was done uh, post-2020, kind of the end of 2020, and it was asking young people whether or not they feel like they are lonely. And there's about a hundred, uh, or excuse me, there's about a thousand or so uh, young people who were asked 15 to 18, and 25% of those young people said that they felt very lonely. The same question was asked to a group of 19 to 29-year-olds, and about 27% of them said that they are very lonely. But we live in a world that's more connected than ever. I know a ton of people. I I, I know about a ton of people. Guys, I've got 1,435 Instagram followers. Yeah. Yes, thank you. I've got 300 and 59 Facebook friends. I've got 96 six Snapchat friends. You guys didn't even know I was on Snapchat. I've got a 36,000 Snap score, which uh, I found out is incredibly low, but I thought it was like tremendous. I've got 50 TikTok followers. Yeah. I've got, I've got 22 friends on RunKeeper, my favorite social media. Yeah. We're, we're, we're more connected than ever. We, we know about a lot of people. We're familiar with a lot of people. But friendship is incredibly hard to come by. I have 1,400. I'm going to round up to 1,500. <laughs> 1,500 Instagram followers. But I, I only have one person that, that I personally called on a night where, where I was wrestling with with anxiety and and depression, and I was contemplating taking my own life. I only one person I call. My Instagram followers probably don't care about that. I I only have about four people that I I told and I asked for prayer when my wife Julianne miscarried for the second time. I've got 1,500 Instagram followers. People are familiar with me, but where are friends? And some of us don't have that one, and some of us don't have the four. We live in a world that's connected and familiar, but we've, we've, we've sold out. We have no community, and we have no deep friendships. Now, it's not going to be sad for the rest of the time. We're going to move on past that, okay? Um, friends are, are, are difficult to come by, and Jesus, he defines friendship as one who is giving themselves out of love for the sake of someone else. Giving ourselves out of love for the sake of someone else. So my heart tonight is to look at the scriptures. I've got like a million weird points. It's a weird structured message, but I want to move quickly and just kind of speak into how to be a good friend, how we can walk in that agape love for our phileos, how we can do this self-giving love for our friends that Jesus instructs us to do, and really just kind of breeze through the scriptures, pull some truths and some principles and apply them to our lives. So there's three things that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about new friends. I'm going to talk about now friends. And I'm going to talk about no friends. That's where we're going, okay? New friends, now friends, no friends. So let's talk about new friends. How can we walk in this agape love, this love for others that is deeper than simply friendship, but the way that Jesus 
uh, instructs us to do. And the first thing that we need to do to operate in this way of agape towards people, new friends, is take initiative. Take initiative. We should keep our eyes out for making new friends and new relationships. Look at what Solomon writes in the Proverbs. He says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Some of us, honestly, we don't have deep friendships because we're just not friendly. Like, people come in and we, we learn about them and we're like, oh, they're so weird. They're so different than me. Like, they like that. Who likes that? Nobody cool likes that. And if you want to have friends, you should be friendly. Stop judging people. And one of the wonderful things about friendships when they get, like, deeper than just surface-level interests is you actually start to love what's different about a person. If you sit down and you're like, what is it that I love about my closest friends? It's most likely not the fact that they're just like you, but it's probably the fact that they're a lot different than you and you admire that. And so, so often we like push away new people, like, ah, you're lame, you're different, like, get away from me, Uh, when actually it's the differences that make friendships friendships wonderful. So we should take initiative because those who have friends first must be friendly. And then secondly, with new friends, we should see the value that they have. All people are, are incredibly valuable in the eyes of God. We're told that Jesus purchased humanity not with things perishable like silver and gold. That's worthless. But with the precious blood of Jesus. And we're told in the creation story that all humanity is made in the image of God. And we should look at people and see people with the value that God has placed on them, that they are, they are blood-bought by Jesus and they reflect the very image of the God that we worship. And look at what uh, Paul says in, in 1 Timothy 5, talking about how to operate in, uh, with other people. He says, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as your brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters, with all purity. The Apostle Paul, he exhorts the Christian to look on at other people and to see the value of who they are in the eyes of God. If we want to be loving with new friends, we need to take initiative and be friendly. And then also we need to see the value in other people. Making new friends, keeping, keeping your eyes open for new relationships. My dad used to always say this um, to us, like when we were going to church especially, the tendency with our friends is to get in like a big circle and talk. And, um, and if you were my friends, they would push you into the circle and then they'd all push you around. <laughs> and I'm like banging and just like, it's like just thinking like, this is just going to be over. Like at some point it's just going to be over. All of this. <laughs> and it, it's over. Oh, that's over. Um, just waiting for the rest. So circles of friends, and my dad would say, as you circle up, just leave a little space open for people to, it's not a closed circle. You, you should see your friendships as an open circle, taking initiative and seeing other people's value. So secondly, let's talk about now friends. This is kind of where most of us 
This is the meat of what I want to talk about. The friends that you actually have right now. Not, not the friends that you hope to have one day or the friends that you wish you had, but how do you operate within the friendships that you currently have? There's four things that I want to talk about within this now friends. And the first is if we want to operate in agape love for our friends, then we need to be vulnerable. Vulnerable. In our connected world, we have learned really well how to present only part of ourselves to people and to present it how we would like them to see it. We, we see this with like social media. Social media is easy to pick on, so I'm going to pick on it a little bit more. Uh, with Instagram, Instagram, our main page, our main account is what I'm talking about right now for all you spam account people. The, the, the Instagram account, they get, uh, you know, those followers, they get like prom photos. They get uh, graduation when it happens. They get vacation. They get vacation. They get, um, you know, like the Disney day. You know, you, uh, they get the hard launch of the new boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, they, they get that. They get like, you know, your cousin's wedding that you went to where you got all dressed up. They get those posts. But then it's like, no, our spam account, they get the 0.5 photos of our friends eating, you know, because we're fun. We're cool. We're just like regular people, but with like a, a, with a great sense of humor that's so funny. Um, and that's on the spam account. And then it's like the TikTok. Um, you guys act like other people can't see your TikToks. Because I've brought it up to people. Oh, I, I was on TikTok the other day and I saw your TikTok. And it's like, oh my gosh, you saw my TikTok? I'm like, yeah, you posted it, buddy. <laughs> I, I, in fact, I just went and like it was on my For You page. And then I clicked it. I was like, oh, hey. And then I saw it and I was like, you should probably respond the way that you did uh, to me saying that. But you know other people see this. Um, I digress. We're, we're good at presenting only part of ourselves to other people. And we do the same thing while we're in person. We try to cover up all of the mistakes that we make, whether it's with uh, some sort of pride or we kind of put on some fake sort of elegance with our friends and we don't talk about the stuff that we're really dealing with. We just kind of get through, how are you? I'm good. Really? Always. Okay. Uh, can you help me then? Um, but like... How, but we need to be vulnerable and honest. The phrase that I like to use is like, we should wear our life honestly. Just naturally wearing our life so that people can see what we're going through. The Apostle Paul uh, in Romans later in chapter 12 than what I uh, mentioned earlier, he says in verse 16, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. And Paul is talking about a, a harmonious and peaceful way of living, and it starts with bearing with one another and rejoicing and mourning with what people have going on. But so often we can't have people that are rejoicing with us and mourning with us because we never let anybody in. We never let anybody know what's going on that's worthy of celebrating, and we never know what's going on worthy of, of mourning and, and being with us, and, and we should be 
vulnerable. We should be open. We should be honest with our friends. But the more honest we are and the more vulnerable we are with friendships, the more we need our second thing, which is bearing with. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes that we should bear with one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Another translation says carry each other's burdens. To actually take a load off of someone else and and take it on you. See, we are often wanting other people to, to take a load off us, but the command is for us to step in and to bear with one another. Now, there's an incredible promise that Jesus makes. He says, if you are weary and heavy laden, or if you are carrying a heavy burden, he says, come to me and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. So the best way that we can carry one another's burdens is by helping them carry it to Jesus who will exchange the burden for rest. The best way that we can bear with one another is through prayer, bringing uh, other people's burdens to Jesus. We should pray for everything that's going on with a friend, and then we, can, we should help the way that we can. Most of the time, though, our, our limits are, we have lots of limitations with helping. Just recently, I was having a conversation with someone who was mentioning some things that, they're, going, that are, they're struggling with, some things that are happening in their life, and all I could say was, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's it. And I said, I, I'm going to be praying for you, and if there's anything that you need specifically, reach out to me. But with what you just shared with me, all I can do is say is, I'm sorry. My limits were like before I even started. But I can, I can carry his burden to Jesus and allow Jesus to exchange it for the burden that Jesus calls rest for the soul. We should bear with one another. Now, as we are living more vulnerably and bearing with one another, then we need our third thing, which is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Is this all making sense? Is this fun? Helpful? Okay. My mouth is so dry, you guys. It's like requiring muscle to like pry my dry lips from me. Oh. Someone come get me off this stage. Um, forgiveness. Because I'm sure you guys have all experienced you open up to someone and you share something with them and then it comes back to bite you. It's like, I was honest and I was open and then they told someone else and now there's all this drama or whatever. And if we're living in vulnerability and if we're bearing with one another, uh, then we need forgiveness because as soon as you try to help, uh, most of the time you start hurting stuff. I think that's what happens when, when there's two people trying to work on one thing. And, and so you're like, I'm trying to help my friend. And it's like, why are we, like, why do we hate each other now? I thought I was being helpful. Um, and forgiveness is necessary as vulnerability and bearing with one another uh, enter the chat. I shouldn't have said that. Forgiveness. <laughs> there's, there's three things, excuse me, there's four things that Jesus explicitly tells the disciple to love. There's four things that Jesus explicitly tells us to love. One is God. 
He says, the first, the greatest commandment of all is to love God. He says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. In the text that we looked at in John 15, he tells us very clearly to love each other, which is specifically he is speaking to the disciples, that the the way a disciple of Jesus should live is unity of love with one another, a self-giving love that we are all giving ourselves for each other. And then we are to love our neighbor and we are to love our enemy. Four things that Jesus explicitly tells us to love. In a passage in Luke where Jesus uh, is having a conversation about this idea of loving your neighbor, uh, there's this religious leader that asks a very interesting question. When Jesus says that it's important to love your neighbor, he says, well then, who's my neighbor? Trying to kind of dodge it and push it off. And then Jesus, because he's a master at conversation, just starts telling a random story. Uh, I've learned a lot from Jesus, if you've ever talked to me. And Jesus, he, he starts telling a random story about a guy who's on a journey from one town to another. And on his journey, uh, someone comes and they jump him. They beat him. They leave him for dead. They take his clothes. They rob him. And he's laying in the middle of the street and he's left for dead. In this story, a, a priest walks by. And Jesus says that the priest sees the man hurting and goes to the other side of the road and continues on his way. The next person, a Levite, comes who would have uh, been probably working in the temple, would have been a, a person of importance in the Jewish world. And he's walking and same thing, goes to the other side of the street. There's a, a countryman, a fellow Jewish person that does the same thing. And then lastly, there is a Samaritan that comes by. Now, in the context of the time, Samaritans were very much disliked by the Jewish people. So this would have been kind of uh, ruffled some feathers as he's telling the story. And and he says that the Samaritan comes, helps the person, checks him into a hotel, bandages his wounds, gives him some food and some money to help him, and then goes on his way. And so Jesus says, which one of these men was a neighbor to the one who is beaten and broken. And the guy with his tail between his legs, he says, the one who showed him mercy. And the conversation ends. It's kind of interesting that the story that Jesus tells of the question, who is my neighbor? It's the stranger who's beaten and broken on the side of the road. Let's pause there for a second. Now, in the passage in Matthew, where Jesus tells us to love our enemy, to pray for those who persecute us, uh, it comes just after some famous teachings where he says, if you are struck on the cheek, turn your other cheek uh, to the person who hit you. Then he says, if someone asks for your your jacket, give them your t-shirt also. Then he says, if someone asks you to do them a favor, to go one mile, he says, go with them a second mile. And then he says, love your enemies. It's interesting to me because I've never been hit in the face by a stranger. But I have been hit in the face by my brother. My braces like got stuck to my lip. I had to like rip them off. I've never had, like, I've never wept over something that some stranger said about me. But I have about a close friend. 
I've never had to forgive a stranger for anything. And I have to forgive my friends over and over and over again. It's kind of interesting. The love that Jesus is saying, like, love your enemy, the person that he describes is, looks a lot like our friends. Forgiveness is important in friendship. Now, that is not exclusively what Jesus is talking about. However, it does illustrate the love that's needed for friends. In Psalm chapter 55, David is writing about a similar idea when he says, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. David said, if it was a random enemy, I could endure it. If it was someone, if it was an enemy, who I, would, I would hide, but it's a friend, and so it hurts worse. Friendship, deep friendship, forgiveness is required. Jesus, when asked how many times we should forgive someone who sins against us, he says that we should forgive 70 times, seven times, which in uh, Hebrew at the time, he's just saying the biggest number that you can think of times the biggest number that you could think of. Forgiveness is required. Lastly, we need faithfulness. Four things we need faithfulness, and I'm going to speed up now as we're coming to a close. Faithfulness is required in that forgiving over and over and over again. I think a lot of us, we would really desire to have deep friendships, but we just don't give it enough time. Deep friendships don't happen overnight. No good relationship is just like happens overnight. You guys ever had a friend where it's like, oh, I love this guy. He's so great. Like, I love hanging out with this person. And then you like hang out with a second time and you're like, hold on. <laughs> Wait a second. Let me just like dial it back a little bit. You know, I'll see you in a couple weeks. Um, I'll see you at school. You at school are, you're way better than you at my house. Um, so there's, a, but good relationships are, are long, it's faithful and we should have a, a long view of relationships. Now, I'm going to breeze through this, okay? I think they're going to be up on the screen. And these are the kinds of friends that you need. So we're talking about now friends, the friends that you have. These are the three kinds of friends that you need. It's kind of weird to consider like categorizing people and your relationship to them. I understand that that's kind of strange, but it's really helpful because not everybody has the same relationship with you as everybody else. Okay, the relationship I have with my wife is different than the relationship I have with Nate. Okay, like there's, there's difference in relationships. It's helpful, okay? So let's breeze through this real quick. You need up friends, you need with friends, and you need down friends. Up friends, I would say, is someone who is older than you or more seasoned in walking with Jesus, where you have a close relationship that is built on those four things. You need an up friend that you are vulnerable enough to confess to. You need an up friend that can bear with you, bearing with others. 
You need an upfriend that can encourage you to forgive and a friend who can exemplify forgiveness, excuse me, faithfulness. So you need an upfriend, vulnerable enough to confess, bear with you, bearing with others, can encourage you to forgive and exemplifies faithfulness. You need with friends. It's on the uh, events notes app if you're not getting it quick enough. You can copy and paste it from there. What? Well, I'll airdrop it to you or something. Find me after. Um, That means I just don't know how to do the events thing because I tried my absolute best. Um, We need with friends. This is people who are making a commitment in being vulnerable, bearing with one another, being forgiving, and being faithful with you. Like people where after this, you're like, okay, this is the new code of our friendship. We're locking arms. This is how we're running things. We're going to be open to each other. We're going to bear with each other. We're going we're gonna to pray for each other. We're going to forgive each other when we ultimately hurt each other. And we're going to be faithful to keep doing it. We're locking arms. We're doing it together. But then thirdly, we need down friends. And more importantly, we need to recognize who our down friends are. That sounds like an insult, but I don't mean it to be. There are people who you should be influencing you up friends. There's people who you are with, you're with friends, and then the down friends that you are influencing for the sake of Jesus. The way that you do this is you are vulnerable and open with what God is showing and speaking to you. Be vulnerable and open. We need to continue talking about God even when we're with people who don't know God. Uh, uh, Pastor Pete Vitali, who's on staff here, he said one of the most enticing things that allowed him to come to Jesus was he was at a dinner table with a family who was talking about Jesus like they were his favorite relative. He didn't know Jesus. He, he, he didn't believe in Jesus, but they were talking about him like that is their favorite person they know. It's incredibly powerful to be vulnerable and open with what God is showing you. Bearing with them in prayer, praying for them, helping them with their situations like, a, like a, a normal friend, but then just praying for them that they would know Jesus, forgiving them the same way, and then faithful to them, even if there becomes a natural distance as you're going in the direction of Jesus and they're not. Just maintaining from whatever distance there is, a text reaching out to them, continuing to maybe invite them to church or invite them to hang out with, with your solid, with friends if they are influencing you and there's distance that needs to be made. You need up friends, with friends, and down friends. This is my last point. Worship team, you guys can make your way up. So quickly to recap, I know that this is a lot. I'm just kind of vomiting out on the stage and I understand that. We are reflecting the love of Jesus that he gave himself for us and we are now giving ourselves on behalf of other people as Jesus instructs us to do. And what that practically looks like in the idea of friends is there's new friends and there's your now friends, but then we also need to recognize that sometimes there's just no friends. There are some people 
that you don't need to have a deep relationship with. Everybody does not need to be your friend. It's kind of a weird thing to say, standing here. Now, there is love for them. Jesus talks about this neighbor love that is finding the beaten and the broken and helping. But the Samaritan, he helps and then he leaves. There's this with for a moment and then he, he, keeps, he keeps going. And, and the reality is, is not everybody can or should be your friend. Do you, it, sometimes I feel like we exhaust ourselves trying to be like super friendly with everyone. We need to just recognize who like our with friends are and love them deeply. Be vulnerable and bear with them and forgive them and be faithful to them. And then there's people who are on like the out, like, like we're not best friends. Like it's fine. And there's a, there's a love that we show them and we, we, we can pray for them and, and be nice to them because those who have friends are friendly and we can exemplify the love of Jesus. But we should recognize like it's healthy to have like a small circle of friends. In fact, Jesus models this in his life. In, in the life of Jesus, there's, there's a couple groups of people that Jesus interacts with. There's the crowds or the multitudes. They received like teachings from Jesus. They saw some miracles. Then there's the 70 that Jesus empowers by his spirit to be sent out into the world and to continue his ministry. Then there's the 12 who would receive the same teaching, see, see the same miracles. They would receive the same power as the 70. But then they would also receive further instruction and, and further explanation of the teachings Jesus gave. And then within the 12, there are Peter, James, and John who would experience all of the same things. They would see him uh, transfigured on the mount. Uh, and, and John would call himself the beloved and he would sleep on Jesus' lap the night before he was arrested. Jesus models that's like not everybody experienced Jesus' life and ministry on earth is what I'm talking about as recorded in the scriptures. Not everybody experienced the same exact Jesus. And we can use that as a model. Jesus never says, do this like I did, but we can view it and see it as a healthy model that not everybody is going to experience the same shame. My capacity is not that big. Like I'm going to be nice and I'm going to be friendly and I'm going to show the love that I can, but we should focus in on our tight group of friends, the friends that we have, and really invest in vulnerability and bearing with one another and forgiving one another and being faithful to one another and recognize our capacity for deep and intentional friendship so we don't fall in to the facade of connection rather than community. I don't want to just be familiar with a bunch of people. I want to have deep friends that I'm, that I'm doing life with, that I'm bearing with, that I'm forgiving, that I'm, that I'm doing the whole thing. Like, let's lock arms with those people, recognize our capacity, and do that. 